Hi, and welcome to the Fractal Marketing Podcast. My name is Jared Doyle, and on this show, I take marketing questions from listeners and provide answers so that everybody who tunes in can learn a little bit more about marketing and hopefully find some ideas for their business. Hi, and welcome to episode eight of the Fractal Marketing Podcast. My name is Jared, and today we're doing the second episode in our series for founders focusing on their SEO. For those of you who tuned into episode eight, you remember that we sort of reviewed three websites there. The first two, very much so newer websites. Today, we've got some more established websites. So we're going to be looking at a few different issues. You should assume everything that I mentioned in eight applies here as well. I'll cover a little bit of the same topic, but we'll jump straight in, I guess, and have a look at these these two websites. So the first one came in from Nick and his website is avers.com.au. So that's A-V-E-R-S.com.au. For those of you who are um, wanting to look at the website as I run through and, and talk through everything. And Nick's basically just put his hand up and said, look, I'd love any help on your SEO, on my SEO. And what can you tell me? So Nick jumped straight in, started to have a look around at your website. First thing I did was do a, um, a crawl of your website just to see where everything's at. Look, I can see you've you've moved your website from HTTP to HTTPS, which we covered in the previous podcast. So look, you've done the right thing there and that's impressive. You've also got the 301 redirect set up in all the right directions. So everything's kind of looking pretty good there. I went through, I found a few internal links pointing through to the non-secure server pages, which are still redirecting, so everything's fine. But if possible, it's probably a good sanitization thing to find those internal links that are pointing to the non-HTTPS URLs and just change them. Not a big impact, but just nice to clean them up. Every little thing you can do to um, look squeaky clean to Google is going to make a difference. I then went through and had a look at your page structure, what you were sort of the pages you've got, how you built them. Importantly, looking at things like your title tags and your H1. And I must say, you know, you've diligently gone through and you have created targeted, unique, specific keyword loaded title pages, title tags, sorry, for each page, H1 tags, H2. The content on the site, it's, it's set up pretty well. And, and as I looked down, I, I really got the feeling, okay, you, you've, you've considered, Nick, you've considered SEO here. When I look at your URL structure with avers.com.au, you've got slash zero find and fix file review, bookkeeper Nunda, bookkeeper Wollowan, bookkeeper Northgate, Wavell Heights, Banyo, Virginia, Malulabar, you get the idea. So, as an SEO, straight away, I go, okay, here's somebody who's considered their SEO. They've built some, some specific pages that they'd like to rank for those keywords. So I thought, okay, I know what we're doing and this is going to be fine. So I had a quick look at your referring traffic and I could see that you've had a couple of bumps. I think you had a dip maybe in your SEO traffic over the last three months, but that's in the last sort of six weeks that's come back for you, which is fantastic. But I had a look at the keywords and, and, I, and I started to really wonder, you know, well, what keywords were you ranking for? Because when I looked through where the traffic was coming in for, it was coming in for Gmail read receipt keywords. And again, look, I didn't take access. I mean, Nick offered access to his search console and analytics. And look, for a public podcast, I'd rather just use external tools in so much as I'm not going to be taking any of your internal data and sharing it with the world. If, if I find something, it was possible for anyone to find it on your website from the outside, if that makes sense. So yeah, so having a look at the keywords and and... Honestly, the sort of 30 of the top 50 keywords all had this read receipt in there. And I was trying to work out why. And I realized 
it actually comes from a great blog post you've written. Um, it's got a couple of direct links pointing into it around how to get your read receipts in Gmail. And look, two things from that. The first thing is it's not really relevant traffic. So it's great. It doesn't hurt to get it, but it doesn't, it's not relevant to your business. But what it does say is that if you write blog posts that are relevant to your business and you pick up the keywords, your site has enough authority to get traffic through. So that's encouraging. That says it's worthwhile creating blogs. It's worthwhile doing some research. What's the difference between the Gmail read receipt and the Nunda bookkeeper page? Look, for me, the difference is one of them's really offering value. The other one's just there to capture keyword intent. And, you know, it's Google's job to work that out. So I think, I think we need to think, you know, carefully about how we actually write our content and, and try to add some value for potential readers. Yeah, I can see why you want to rank there, but that read receipt blog post got one link into it. And that one link was enough to get you all that extra traffic. So, you know, what we're going to need to do is start to throw some direct links in. Of your, we'll call them suburb specific bookkeeper pages, I only found one or two that had direct links, which I think were more accidental than anything else. The vast majority of them sort of are uh, the only links they have are internal links. So your rankings aren't too bad. Your rankings are sort of one, two, or three for most of these keywords. So you're in a pretty good place. So if you were to just add one or maybe two deep links from external sites into these pages, now that could be from a sporting club, that could be from accountants that you work with in a local area, or even clients who are willing to link to you, that's going to make a massive difference to where these keywords rank. However, the big question then was, if you're ranking one or two, why aren't these keywords appearing? And I think it comes down to the simple case that when I went into AdWords and put bookkeeper Nanda or Nanda bookkeeper into Google AdWords, it wasn't coming up as a keyword, which suggests that it's probably under 20 or 30 searches a month, which, you know, after the paid ads click, you know, get half the traffic, there's probably not much, if any, traffic there for you to pick up. So again, I don't have access to your uh, analytics or your search console, so I can't tell you definitely you don't have any traffic. My hunch is these kind of like false prizes. You've kind of gone into a competition to rank for rank for Nanda Bookkeeper, but unfortunately there isn't anyone actually searching for that keyword. So what's my big tip for you? I think the thing is we need to you need to get into AdWords and find the actual search words that people are looking for and compete for those. One general directional tip I found was that bookkeeper wasn't a hugely popular keyword. Bookkeeping seemed to have a bit more search volume around it. But again, not very much for the regions. I, you know, I could Brisbane bookkeeping, Brisbane bookkeeper, absolutely. I can see you I can see the search traffic for there. Um, it's going to be competitive. I can see North Brisbane, but I can't see anything really specific on the suburb level yet. Now, give it some time, give it a few years as, you know, the web blows up and becomes bigger and there's there's more detailed content there. Look, the number of search terms that people try out changes, sorry, grows every single year. So I think, look, eventually there'll be demand for these, but that's not really what you want to be waiting for. You don't want the market to come to you. So I would really spend some time trying to find some keywords that are likely to rank. I'm sorry, that are likely to have traffic behind them. People are actually searching for them. And then maybe build a few less pages Look, with, with a fairly low domain authority, a hundred and something domain links pointing back into you. What was it? 156 referring domains. It's not a huge amount of power. You've got a domain 
ranked there of 36 out of 100, that's fine. But creating lots of suburb specific pages or even SEO specific pages, but with only 156 links probably isn't going to win you a lot of SEO love. I'd much rather see you spend a bit more time on that blog, try to write some posts that are engaging and then, and then look at what else is working for you now. The one thing I can say that is working for you is the links that you have acquired in the last two to three weeks seem to be coming from people that are hot linking through to the images that refer to your, um, your templates. So these are the templates where you've, you've created like invoice templates, read receipts, payment received images that people are able to copy. And these other websites are just hot linking to your image. And so Google's reading that and saying, well, if they're hosting the image from your site and you were the one who originally posted it, they're giving you a little bit of credit for that. So if you're looking for an easy way to maybe pick up a few extra links, I think the trick's going to be to produce some templates, produce some invoice, cash receipt, header templates, Word templates, Excel templates, things that people running a business themselves might be looking for workarounds from. Look, people are going to copy them, they're going to take them and, and rebrand them, but you can still embed a couple of links into the footers of Word documents, which will work. Yes, you know, a lot of people are going to delete them, but some people will leave them there. And, and Google's pretty clever at working these things out. So look, I'd spend some time, work on a few different content ideas around templates, images, etc. Work a bit more on the blog, but really let's focus on some of the long tail keywords where we think we've got a better chance of ranking for. You're very heavily based around zero. I'd definitely be looking at adding bookkeeping and zero terms together, maybe less around the suburbs. And I think we'll find ourselves in a pretty good place. Like I said, your, um, your site's in, in, in good nick. Your um, site speed's good. Your mobile optimization is good. There's not a lot else you really need to do. Like all sites, you can always do with some more links. Oh, and I should say the last thing too is, you know, you have taken the effort to actually embed that, that explainer video, sort of pre-sales video on all your pages, which Remembering back to episode eight, and I was talking about that third factor in SEO, which is sort of dwell time. That's that's a good thing. Like it's going to make a difference. That video on the landing page is just going to hold that dwell time a little bit longer. That will give you a little bit of a boost. But let's focus firstly on finding the keywords that you want to rank for, that people are already searching for, that's going to drive you some business. Let's build those pages out and let's just get those one or two links into those pages following the format that you've already created. I think we're going to be in a much better place. All right, cheers. So keeping the theme alive, the second site I'm looking at today is from Jason Andrew, who's the co-founder at smartbooksonline.com.au. I'm a big fan of Jason's writing online. If you haven't seen anything Jason's written on Medium or any of his uh, videos that he's currently producing, I definitely recommend having a quick read through what he writes on Medium. He's got a real flair for the, uh, the written word and, and I guess not your typical boring accountant. So yes, interestingly, two sites, very similar. You might even consider they compete. Love the website. I think Smartbooks Online, I think it look, looks really neat. I think it's in the, um, I think the imagery, the language, everything on the sites, um, absolutely fantastic. The one thing just on that site, there's a few areas of image optimization, particularly some of the external references that are there on the site could probably be trimmed down and just made a little bit lighter. I think, you know, they've been copied through. So just, let's have a quick look at a few of these. So some of the Intuit logos, actually just mostly the logos, the Business Insider logo, Accountants Daily logo, etc. On the website, they've been squeezed down a bit, which means you could actually afford to save 
anything from 10 to 20%, some of the times up to 75% of the image weight on those, just in the overall homepage loading speed. That's the only real thing. I mean, you've got a pretty good score. Your uh, mobile sites are actually a little bit better than that. So just a little bit of image optimization, just increase that, speed up that page, that homepage as it loads, and it'll probably help pick up a little bit of SEO rankings because a faster site is going to rank higher in Google's eyes. Again, had a quick crawl through the website. Everything looks to be pretty good. There's nothing really wrong. Some of the core homepage main, I guess, navigation pages are lacking an H1 tag. It would be good to add those in. The bulk of the pages, which seem to be managed by, I'm assuming, WordPress, have got everything sort of put in correctly for you. So like most of these sites, everything else is, is pretty good. Not too much to really add in there. So we end up in the same place we end up with most sites where we start looking at the external factors. We start looking at, okay, well, again, <clears throat> you know, remembering back to the, the previous episode analogy of the, the Formula One racing car where the, the aerodynamics of that Formula One racing car is the on-site. And, and again, we're in a situation where that's pretty good. And the Lynx is the engine. And so again, we're back to the situation we're looking at what kind of engine do we have underneath the chassis of our SEO car? And I was actually a bit surprised. I, I really thought that Smartbooks Online would be more powerful than it is. The homepage URL rank is 28 out of 100. The domain rank is 20 out of 100. And that comes from only 70 referring domain names. So that's a lot less than I would have expected. And, and particularly so because, you know, Jason is such a, a well-known writer. I mean, he's been actually publicly credited as being one of the top 50 business writers to follow in Australia. So you sort of, you put that in consideration and you sort of thought, oh, I thought I would have seen a few more referring domains from that. The best, the two best links to Smartbooks Online, giving it most of its power, Jason's Medium blog, which doesn't surprise me, and the Business Insider article that he actually wrote and authored. So he, he, um, he got the, the reference at the bottom. And I think that's actually, when you think about it, it's like, I mean, that was a fantastic piece that, um, that you wrote there, Jason, on Spaceship, the new superannuation fund. But Jason does a lot of that kind of writing. And so for me, I'm looking at it and going, where are the rest of these links? And, and even on your Smartbooks homepage, you make reference to the fact that you've been on Reference in Business Insider, but also Startup Daily and uh, what was the other one? Accountants Daily. But in both of those, and they're great, I go to Accountants Daily, you know, there, there aren't any external links. And so I feel like the real world benefit of this is, is obviously people read it and, and your personal and the company brand goes up. But the long-term value is in that link. Once the article's kind of had its day in the sun, so to speak, that link's the thing that survives and continues to grow. So more so than probably anybody else that I've reviewed the SEO on, you know, the, the tip for you, Jason, is when you have these amazing results of, you know, people publishing you. So with Startup Daily, Accountants Daily, Business Insider, any of these places that reference you, we really need to start getting you a link. You've really got to start looking at that and going, that's my payment. My payment for being great. My payment for being a top 50 business influencer is the link. And I think, you know, to, to give you the best example of this was the um, article that was actually written by your co-founder about data rooms by Rowan. And I, was, I had read this um, article previously. And what I find amazing is, I think the third last paragraph, Rowan says, to make it easy to nav navigate these folders, create an index or a reference document to show the reader what the documents are stored. Pro tip, hyperlink the index to the documents. 
it was just funny that you had Rowan referencing putting hyperlinks in his data box to make it easy for people to navigate. And yet at the end of startupdaily.net's article where he mentions that he's a co-founder of, and this isn't his fault, but he mentions he's a co-founder of Full Circle VC and Smartbox Online, there isn't a link. And that's just, it, it's, to me, that's counterintuitive. If I'm reading that, I've read all the way to the bottom and I'm sort of like, that's fantastic. I like what Rowan has to say. What are his two companies? For some really odd reason, Startup Daily feel like adding a hyperlink and the whole purpose of a hyperlink is to say, hey, here's the reference. If you click here, you can go and look at Smartbox online, isn't there. So I really feel like some of these sites, some of these journalists, it's a combination of being sort of ignorant to SEO, like they don't want to link out because I think it might be bad. Um, and secondly, I think they've been burnt by SEOs in the past that were just so desperate for links. They kind of just got the stage, well, I won't give anybody a link and then we haven't got a problem. For what it's worth, unless the site is actually terrible, like, you know, it's a negative site that you would never want to link to, you can't, there's this misconception for amateur SEOs that you can like link, leak, sorry, SEO power. You can't lose your power. You have a number of votes to give, um, amount of power to give out, but, but that doesn't negatively impact you. If you link to somebody else, you're not taking part of your SEO power and giving it to them. You're simply using a vote that you've got. If you don't vote, it doesn't count for anybody. So it was a small period of time where this was considered it might be an opportunity. People would talk about link juice and this idea that if you linked out to a site, somehow you're giving part of your power away. Look, that's just not the case. And I know I'm explaining this to startupdaily.net who won't be listening to the podcast, it won't make a difference, but just for anyone who's controlling their website and they, they're really worried about linking out, look, linking out to hate crime sites and pornography sites and, and these things, that's bad, right? That's putting you, that's, that's you associating with the wrong sort of areas of the internet. But, oh, and then also, you know, sites that might be, you know, um, have been hacked. But generally speaking, you, if you like a site, link out to that site, it's not a problem. If you're not sure about it, you can add a no follow. So that's kind of like you'll your get out of jail free. But to not add a link at all, I just think is bad internet etiquette, really. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Where I'm at is Jason's got all this brand, all this content that out there that's out there and very few links pointing back in to his business website that's gonna allow him to make some money. There are terms that Jason ranks for. Um, so we don't, you know, it's not like it's not happening. There is traffic coming in. You know, a keyword like accounting as a service, you know, fantastic. You know, you're there, you're pretty much the top, almost always the top ranked keyword for that. So you look at a keyword like that and you can say, okay, that's number one. That's gonna be driving business. So that that's in a great position. I mean, there might be three or four ads above you, but you know, you're the first organic listing there in Australia. So I think you're going to be in a good place. But what we need to do is we need to add some more keywords to that. And I should say too, the other thing for anyone else looking, have a look at Jason's page where he runs. Obviously, we called part two. This is the second part of a series he wrote on accounting as a service, the new business model. You know, it's a detailed post. This isn't something he's just sort of got out of bed and thrown a few. In fact, I'm not sure if he's even actually written that one. Guy Pierce, Pearson's written it. But um, anyway, um, if someone else has written it, then it's absolutely awesome for him. But it's a detailed post. It's really there and it's really, it's got some real value in it. And then you can also look at the social signals. Those links at the top, you know, 107 likes on LinkedIn. It really is, it's getting the right social signals through. And this URL, this specific URL has actually got seven, no, sorry, six backlinks um, from two different domains. So it's actually got two direct links into it. 
as I said in the previous with the previous site, any deep links that are coming, just the one or two links, makes a massive difference to these deep pages. So often, all the link power is pointing into your homepage, and then it's up to you to create a site structure that can push that power back out again. If you can get those specific links into those deep pages that are ranking, it's going to make a massive difference. But I really think the reason why this particular page is ranking, look, it's got great content, but lots of Jason's articles and posts have got great content. It really is the way Jason's tying those social metrics in. And that's the big, sort of the big unknown factor with SEO. And, and most SEOs kind of ignore that because most of the time the deep pages don't have those social signals. The way Jason's tied it in, it's worked really well. And I would be very surprised if Google's not picking up on that and giving some extra credit. So good, great content, good keyword, ranking number one, good social signals, and a couple of deep links. So that's fantastic. But what we need to do is we need to sort of expand that out a bit more. And look, again, falling back into AdWords, having a look at some of the keywords that Jason could be ranking for or is, um, I started to look at things like zero bookkeeping services. I thought that's fantastic. It's got great volume. Unfortunately, zero is one of those domains where when you type that in, I think it's eight of the first 10 organic listings are from zero.com. That basically says, don't bother trying. Zero is so dominant. They have so much content. You really can't rank organically for those kind of keywords. So you've got to go the next bracket down. And I must say that's, I mean, it does, zero is the brand, but that's a that's an incredibly dominant position in the SERPs. So I tried the next best keyword, which was online bookkeeping services. So for me, that's a, that's a money-making term. 590 searches a month in Australia. So decent volume because you're talking about lifetime value here and I won't tell you about lifetime value because I only just finished reading, reading Jason's article on lifetime value so I'll just be stealing his work but look the average bid price of those keywords is between 14 and 23 dollars so there's obviously a bit of value there what's exciting for me is that when I look at those Google rankings Jason comes in at 10 which means he's basically got a ticket into the big game so he's there he's on the first page this is what we need to start focusing on and seeing if we can change that ranking. Now, the first thing I look at is you look at the, the headline, so the title of his page. So the title tag of the page is what appears in the tab when you're looking at the browser. It's also what more often than not appears in the blue hyperlink in your Google search engine result page listings, which we call SERPs. I've probably been saying SERPs a bit without defining it. So SERPs is search engine ranking pages. And when I look at that, the page that ranks for smart books online for the term online bookkeeping services is zero bookkeeping services. I would suggest that if we change the word zero to online, Jason is probably going to find his site jumps four or five places, which is, you know, we're talking about a four or five increase in traffic on that particular term. So we're going to make the title tag specific to the actual search. The other thing is, I think I'll have a quick look and see if there's any deep links pointing into this specific URL, but it's really about looking at those keywords and making some simple changes. Some of these pages have already got great content. Some of them have already got pretty good links pointing into them. We just got to get to a stage where the title tags are optimized around a keyword, maybe not as much around, especially if they're older pages not necessarily around the actual best title for the page. So no, look, it doesn't have any direct links pointing into that particular page. So look, that's just one page. 
what I would recommend is for Jason is going through Google AdWords, pulling out those commercial keywords, having a look at your current rankings. You've got a bunch of rankings where you're kind of 11, 12, 13. So just on that beginning of that second page, but on all those pages, the keywords that you're ranking for don't appear in the exact order that they're being searched for. And that's a really strong signal to Google that the, that the search term and the page that they're looking to rank are highly related. Not only does the, the use of the words at the front of the title tags of the page help Google recognize that it's relevant, it makes a massive difference to the click-through rate. And the reason is when people search, they're instinctively looking for exactly the keywords they typed in. So if someone types in online bookkeeping services, they're looking at the blue titles for the words online bookkeeping services. Just substituting in the word zero, look, yeah, it's related, but it actually, it's going to get less clicks. So all other things being equal, just by changing that word, you're gonna get more clicks from the same position, but I can almost guarantee you, you're gonna move higher up on the rankings. So your job, Jason, number one, start to get some link credit for all the content and references you've got out there. If you can do that, it'll transform your website. You deserve to have a stronger SEO presence based on the number of references you've got out there. Unfortunately, most of your references are around your name, your personal name, and your company name. And because your company name isn't as strong because it's using some generic words, you're not getting that reference check. You know, if I wrote the word zero, X-E-R-O, Google knows I'm talking about Zero, the, self, the software company, so they can give them a reference. I don't think you're in that space yet. You might never get there with a, with a generic brand name. So you've really got to start making sure you ask for that link and get it where you can. Second thing you need to do, get into AdWords, have a look at those commercial keywords that are related to your topic. Look at where you're ranking. Pick the ones where you're in the top 10 or maybe just outside of. Start to have a look at those title tags and those H1 tags and look at how you might be able to manipulate some of the content you've already got. If it's too far off and it doesn't make sense, add it to your list, get, use it as a bit of inspiration to write another blog post about it. When you've written that blog post and you've optimized the title tag and the H1 tag, do the same thing you've done on social. Share it, get those likes, get those signals going the right directions. Try to get one link pointing into it I think you're going to find you start moving in the right direction. You're in such a great place. You're so close to making this work. And if anything, you're kind of underrepresented to where you sort of really should be in the Google search results. So look, Jason, I hope that works. I hope you understand the logic there. And I hope you kind of see like how much potential power you've got there to make a difference. Best of luck. And look, I'll probably see you in and around Little Tokyo too at some point. So grab me and I'm happy to explain a bit more details around those ideas for you. Cheers. So the last thing I'm going to talk about on today's podcast is dog fooding. Today I had the uh, great opportunity to work with one of my clients where the entire company was called in, and I say called in as in called in online because we all work, most of us work remotely, to dog food, the uh, to have a dog food day, to, to use our own product just like our customers would. So dog fooding, for those of you who've never heard the term before, is about using your own product or service just like your customer would. And it kind of stems from this idea of, I think it's more of a story than anything else, of a director once of a dog food company who every board meeting would sit and eat a can of his dog food to sort of demonstrate how great their product was. And that was sort of more folklore than anything else until a Microsoft product manager sent an email around demanding that everyone start dog fooding Microsoft products, using them to develop their future products. Because if we couldn't use 
Microsoft products and we were going to fail. And, and dogfooding, especially in software, has now become not just something that you do, but it's become best practice. And it's amazing spending a day working on a product like you're a customer, how much you can learn. So today's session was was great because rather than just using the product, because sometimes it's very hard to use a product like a customer. So we created customer scenarios. We created teams of people who don't normally work together and we used the product to deliver an outcome just like we were a customer. And the insights you get is you try to click buttons and, and you're forced not to use other tools and other workarounds to get jobs done really helps you see your product from your customer's mind's eye. And you start to realize those complaints that you kind of maybe put off are maybe actually well-founded. And there's something there that can, you know, really drive the business forward. I think sometimes we can be very quick to download a competitor's product and criticize it or use it and look at the features. And yet we don't really get into our own product and use it. Ideally, you want to be using your own product on a daily basis to grow it, but that's not always, it's not always possible to do. So the idea of creating sort of a dog fooding day, which I was lucky enough to experience today, I think is, is a great way to get around it. And it's towards the end of the day, it reminded me of my very first job I got out of uni, where I was working for a Java IDE company. And one of the projects I was given as the marketing manager just come on was, you know, to generate links and a bit of promotion. And I'd reached out to a couple of influential bloggers and, and sort of editors at the time. And they come back with the question, well, what kind of things can you do? Have you got examples of the work? And it was a fairly new product and I couldn't really find any customer examples. Everything was sort of apparently in development. And so the room next to where I was, there was about 12 different developers working on the product. So Java developers working on a Java IDE. And so I sort of made the request that they all use the tool. Um, I didn't call it dog food, I didn't know what, didn't know what that term was at the time to build something with it so I could sort of demonstrate what was happening. And I got all these wonderful things back and tools and little calculators and things that they'd built. And so I looked at these and thought, well, these are fantastic. And I looked at the simple calculator and having done sort of visual basic coding and things at university calculators were a standard, you know, this is what you can produce. So I said, well, could you, could you write a, a chapter on this? Could you show me how you did it? And the programmer looked a bit sheepishly at me and, and then ultimately after sort of a long drawn out conversation admitted they'd just coded it directly. They hadn't used the IDE at all. And I said, well, that was kind of the point. And as I slowly sort of worked around the group of developers, I discovered that every single one of them had actually coded what they'd built themselves from the ground up in source code rather than using the IDE. And when push came to shove, they ultimately admitted that the product didn't work and they would never use it in their real environment. And you realized that all these developers were building a product that they would never use and they were supposed to be the customers. So it was a fantastic moment for me because it, it gave me the catalyst I needed to, uh, to quit that job and go find actually a fantastic second job. So I was quite lucky. But it goes to show how important it is that you actually do dog food your own products um, or eat your own dog food, as they say. If you don't, give it a try. Think about it. There's a few articles online to read. But just experience your customer, experience your product or service as your customer would. Try to deliver something that actually matters to you. Try to deliver your business through your business. And you'll think you'll get a much better idea of what you might need to be working on and focusing on. That's the end of this uh, week's episode. Thanks for listening. And I hope to see you all again next week. Cheers. 
Thanks for listening to that latest episode, guys. I've just got two quick favors to ask of you here right at the end. Firstly, if you have any questions, please shoot them through. This podcast only exists because I answer questions that listeners send in. So if you head along to fractal.com.au slash questions, that'll redirect you to the latest episode and you can drop your questions down there. Those questions you submit become the basis for each episode. So if you've got a question around SEO, paid search, growth hack marketing, PR, brand positioning, market segmentation, anything you might like to know that's going to help your business, drop the question down there and I'll try to answer it on the next episode. If you don't have any questions, that's absolutely fine. The other thing you can do is head on over to fractal.com.au slash subscribe. Subscribing to this podcast not only delivers each episode straight through to your smartphone, but it really helps me reach a bigger audience all the time. That subscription really helps me out. So if you can do that, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for your time again and see you next week.